What's up, everybody? Welcome to a, another episode of Divi Chat. Today, we are talking about how to convert prospects into clients. So this is a sales episode. Uh, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, so we're going to dive in in just a minute. But before we do, let's go ahead and meet the panelists. We'll go around the horn, starting with Eric. Hey everybody, my name is Eric and I am coming on to Divi Chat tonight from Lima, Peru um, and excited to be here. Uh, I, my favorite part of being in this uh, business is the business side of it. Um, design, that's cool. Uh, I, I don't do that anymore. Building websites, development, tech stuff, writing CSS, that's cool. I did it for a season, I don't do it anymore. I, this is my favorite part of it. Um, so I love this topic, excited to talk about it. Um, you can find me at uh, Divi Agency Coach and In Transit Studios. Yeah, I knew Eric was gonna love this topic. <laughs> yeah, I didn't suggest it. So I was even double excited when it came up. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, Sarah Oates here from Endure Web Studios. You can catch me at endure.com.au or endure on the socials, the in the dot AUs just got released this week, which is very exciting. So my exciting news for the week is when dot AU got released, you had to kind of fight for it. So if you had the dot com dot AU and you or you had the dot net dot AU or you had the dot org dot AU, you were eligible. But then it was like who like there was kind of this priority thing. So I like applied and there is a dot net dot AU for some weird game. And I was like waiting to see, are they going to apply? Are they going to apply? Are they going to apply? And they didn't apply. So I got the .au, which I'm very nice. excited about. I don't know if I'll use it. Who knows? But I'm just excited that I got the .au. So that was my exciting win for the week. Um, I'm in Canberra in Australia. It is 7 a.m. And this is the last 7 a.m. for like the next six months or so. So from next week, Divi Chat is going to be at 8 a.m. in Australia. Well, not all of Australia, actually, because Queensland, unfortunately, you're still 7 a.m. for a little while. But in about a month, we then go one hour further. And so I will get to go to 9 a.m. I think Queensland will get to go to 8 a.m. So exciting days. Nice. Nice. Love it. Um, I'm Tim Streifler broadcasting from San Clemente, California, and you can find me online at divilife.com where I have all my Divi plugins, child themes, layouts, all that good stuff. And then wpgears.com, home of uh, WP the podcast, which we're on a break right now, but we'll be back shortly. Um, so congrats to Sarah, not, not having to wake up as early starting next week. I don't like really you. understand how that all works and why like time zones don't it's shift because equally. I know it should be all at the same time, but we are starting daylight savings from this Sunday. And then you guys end daylight savings in about a month, I think it is. And so then it's some, I don't know why that somehow then boosts us again. Yeah. But then we do the whole thing all over again next year. I, I watched a video a few months back. It was like a, an interview between one really smart guy and then one average smart guy <laughs> and basically the really <laughs> smart guy was explaining the whole premise of like time and the calendar <laughs> and how they like like everyone pretty much knows that um there's not 365 days in a year there's 365 and a quarter days in the year and that's why every fourth year we play catch up and have that 
366 day, yeah. which is catching up for the last several years. But there's also like, um, this is completely unrelated, so I'm not going <laughs> to talk on it much <laughs> longer. But basically We're all geeks how, here, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like with the second, uh, how like we have atomic clocks, which is like the the atom that measures like like a precise second and stuff. But like how after a certain amount of time, a second actually change it like it was like mind-blowing and i was watching like <laughs> half asleep and i'm like trying to like comprehend how, how time and it was just like my gosh and then my life just kind of like flashed before my eyes and yeah and then i then i woke up so anyways um today's topic <laughs> wait, wait 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 before we get to today's topic i just want to i want to jump on and talk about time uh because i just want to say uh two years ago we were in uh london and we went to the Prime Meridian over in Greenwich, and they have a, a museum there, um, and all about time. And I tell you what, hands down, the most fascinating museum I've ever been to in the world. Wow. So if you're in London, head to the Prime Meridian. Um, and where we are currently, it's really bizarre for us because a lot, a lot of our listeners, this probably isn't something new for you, but being originally from Ohio, uh, you know, when the sun sets in the summer is completely different than in the winter. The, in the winter, the sun sets so early, but in the summer, it's it's bright out nice and late. Where we are currently right now, we're, we're so close to the equator that the sunset doesn't really change. It's wow. basically the same time all what year time? round. Um, about 540, um, oh, 545. And year round, especially for summer, mm -hmm. like that's the best yep. part about summer is like you're outside till like 8 p.m. and it's like, yeah. whoa, this is great. Yeah, yeah. So, so now is when we're probably about to start losing people. So maybe we should switch. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to time chat. Oh Stephanie will never miss it. I'm surprised she's not trying to get in right now. <laughs> she's like, oh my gosh, you guys are getting to get on tap. This is what happened when Tim MCs. <laughs> um, so today we were talking about converting prospects into clients, which that's like you can't build websites if you don't have a client, right? Like anyone can get prospects, getting yeah. a closed deal, getting someone that's actually 100%. giving you money, giving you a deposit, uh, you know, however you, you take payment. Um, and then that's when you get to start building websites for, for someone else. And so, um, for a lot of people, sales is really hard. Um, Stephanie, I'll leave you alone for one episode. <laughs> start talking about time and time zones. Blame the 7am. Um, yeah. <laughs> so for a lot of people, sales is really hard. Uh, if you don't have like prior experience in sales. Um, for some people, sales comes really naturally. Like that's how it is for David Blackman, my um, course partner on, on Divi Business Expert. Yeah. Um, and probably for Eric too, maybe. Um, or maybe he's just developed. It does for skills. me as know. well. And I think that's one of those things. Some people just like, that's just the way they are. Like I've always been told that, you know, the classic line, man, you should be a car salesman. Like I had the amount of times I've been told that in my life because I discover something in my life and then I'm like, I just have to tell everybody about it. I'm like, there's this so exciting thing and you have to know about it. Like, it's just so exciting. But not everybody's like that, right? And so then you've got to learn the tricks that are going to help you get that way. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's what we're, we're talking about today. Now, this is um, not something that we can like fully unpack and teach you sales in, in one Davy Chat episode, obviously. Um, but yeah, hopefully you can walk away with some valuable tips. Um, but yeah, Eric, what are maybe some of the, the things that you did? Cause you shook your head when I said someone that might be naturally good at it. What are the things, some of the things that you've done to develop those skills and what has helped you become good at turning prospects into clients? Sure. Um, anytime I have tried to emulate somebody else, uh, our sales have, have hurt. And so it, it really has come back to me, me or come back to me getting comfortable just being me um, and building a relationship with people. But there are some fundamental things that I've learned along the way. Um, so for me, the biggest thing a, a, a coach taught me on it was the most effective, again, for me, has been a two-step sales process. I used to try to get people, you know, they'd submit a form or they would contact us and I would get on the phone and I was just so excited about everything that we could do for them and we could solve all of their problems and I would just verbally unload on them during the call um, and what that wasn't great. So I learned slowing down, spending 20, 30 minutes with somebody, really asking them a lot of questions about them. Um, and their goals and their desires and what do they really need to meet those goals that they have. And then taking a day or two and coming back to them for a second uh, meeting and then presenting a solution, my conversion rate skyrocketed off of the two-step sales process. Um, because what AJ taught me, he says, says it all the time, is a confused buyer never buys. Um, and that's really true. And so the first time you meet with somebody, if you just do all the talking that you're excited about, you can build this website and you can do all these things, uh, you're, you're not going to close as many of, of, of those folks. And, and here's why. Nobody in the world has ever needed a website. There's been no human being anywhere on this planet that has ever needed a website or digital marketing services. However, there are a lot of business owners who need to make sales. money. They, yeah. they need sales, they need customers, they need you know prospect attraction and lit, like they, they need these different things, but ultimately what they need is sales. And a website is just a tool for that. Um, so it's just important to to keep that in mind and really get to know what a prospect needs. Yeah, yeah it's amazing awesome. how many times, um, like you might just be talking to someone random in the street. Like we had our house painted, for example, and we're talking to the guy and I always get that awkward thing when they say, what do you do? And I know they're a trade. And so I feel like there's going to be this really awkward moment where they're going to assume I'm now going to pitch them for a website. Like, you know, because they he clearly didn't have a website. And so I thought, oh my God, I'm going to have this like, but it's amazing the amount of times they'll be shocked when I say, yeah, I don't think you need a website because there's so many people that don't need a website. And the amount of times I have conversations with people saying, actually, I don't, I don't think you need what I do is like, it really surprises them. And I think that is the thing of like trying to work out, like, do they actually need a website at all? Like for some people, Facebook is actually the very best place that they could possibly be. Or for some people, even like WordPress is not the answer. Squarespace is a hundred percent the answer. And I am not the person to support you in your journey, but I'll cheer you along. 
Um, I think sometimes just working out, am I even the right person to be involved in this relationship with you? Because do you even need what I um, am able to provide for you? So yeah. I like that a lot. And, and kind of the, yeah, to piggyback both of, off of what both of you just said with like the two-step process that Eric's talking about and, and what Sarah's talking about with like figuring out what they need. I think that's a huge part of sales that a lot of people don't really think of when they think of, of sales and selling and converting prospects into clients, you think of selling, right? Doing all the talking and pers like persuading someone uh, and selling them into, you know, something that they may or may not need, but that's not what good sales is. Good sales is asking a ton of questions. Um, when I was in college, uh, I was a business major and so um, had a, a sales class. And so, um, the professor taught the class was like just had a ton of experience in in sales and um and one of the things he said was when uh when he would interview people like sales people um he would always do the classic like sell me this pen type of thing right which is like a common like interview thing for for sales people and they have to like you know can sell the pen during the interview <laughs> and he said if they wouldn't start asking him questions immediately like well, what is it like? What do you do? Like, what type of pen are you looking for? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then he would like, it, he wouldn't end the interview, like, actually, but in his mind, the interview is over. Like, because, like, you need to find out what they need yeah. so you can sell to their needs. Um, yeah. Or you can find out that, hey, like what Sarah mentioned, you don't actually need a website at all. Like, this isn't a good fit. And yeah. so um, I love that Eric talked about that, where that, that first call is asking questions, hearing from them, finding out what they need. And then that way you can prepare something that's customized for them. Even if like, cause Eric's talked about this too, where he doesn't do snowflakes, right? He does like productized services where, uh, like he's not custom tailoring a bunch of, of different services for one client. He's doing, you know, different, uh, like, productized services, yeah. right? Is that, I don't know yeah. if you call them yeah. that, but, um, yeah. but yeah. you can still like based off of their, the questions that you ask them and what they need, you can custom tailor your pitch to them. And I'm not saying yeah. you make up stuff like to answer questions for something that you don't have. Like, obviously like it has to be real, but you can custom tailor your presentation or your proposal to hit their pain points so that they're like, wow, this person listens to me. This is what I need. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my whole spiel. I love, I love the, the, the questions and that's such a huge thing. Um, yeah. Scott said in the comment, bottom yeah. line is not to try to, and that's the key. Don't try to sell, but don't try to sell anything, but instead offer solutions that support the client's end goals. Um, so last week I was on a, we call it an initial discussion, an ID meeting. So I was on an initial discussion with a late, she's a full-time school teacher and she has started doing consulting in schools and she would like to, this to become her full-time gig. And so she's consulted for like two or three school districts over in the last couple of years. And so you know, I, I found out from her, like she's, this is a side thing. She wants to become full-time and I'm like, okay, well, what do you need for that to look like in a year for income? Like, what does that need to look like? And she's like, I need $65,000 from it. I'm like, okay, 
what's the average, how much do you charge an average school? And she's like, $3,000. And I'm like, okay, so it sounds like you need 22 um, clients. And she goes, yeah, and that's not a big number. And I'm like, yeah, goes, that sounds really doable. I can get 22. I'm like, yeah, you can. And so I was like, you know, let me like, let me take some of this and, and, and look it over and do some research and, you know, look at your competitors and see, you know, how they're doing. And a couple of days later, Monday, last night, um, we jumped on a call. I walked through the playbook and a couple of times I dropped in the, you know, to get those first 22 clients. So this is going to help us land those first 22 by this. And by the end of it, she's like, yep, this is exactly what I need. She goes, I was, I thought it was going to be beyond what I could afford. And she's like, you know, because at the end I was like, you know, we have a solution called a marketing hub, $13,000. You don't, you don't need that. <laughs> um, that's too big for what you're wanting to, to do and what you need to accomplish. And so uh, I, I present, propose to her, you just really need a small three-page website. Uh, anyway, I won't get into all what, what exactly I did. And, um, and then these digital marketing add-ons, you know, some content marketing and stuff like that. And she's 100% on board. I don't think that would have happened if last week I would have went in and just started talking about getting a website and doing all these things, because I think she would have seen the end number and gone, I just, it's going to take me too long to get that many clients. I, she had no idea about that. So yeah, that's just one way the two-step process helps. I love that. Yeah. So I, if you're on my email list, you already know about this. I've been promoting it quite a lot, but I just launched a new course called Divi Creator Pro. One of the modules is called Goal-Focused Websites which is basically what Eric just talked about, where it's not about selling a pretty website, because when it comes to sales, yeah. if you're selling like a pretty website, you know, they're looking at that as an online presence. And like Eric mentioned previously, no one needs a website. So they're, they're looking at that purely as an expense. But when yeah. you shift it to being a, um, something that's actually going to provide results, especially if you break it down, like Eric just did, that's awesome. And actually like put it into like monetary terms for their specific business, then they're no longer looking at it as I need to spend, you know, $3,000 for a website. Now they're looking at it as I need to spend $3,000 in order to help me make the $65,000 yeah. that I need, you know, and then it's like, well, this is an investment, you know, and not yeah. only it's a website, but here's also the plan of how we're going to do that together. And I just, yeah, yeah that's got to spend money to make money, but it's hard to explain that to a client who is yeah. just looking at the big number that they're going to spend in this moment. And that feels overwhelming and like a massive gamble, which it kind of is a massive gamble because even if you create the amazing website that is going to do the sales it's still on them to make their business work. And so it is a gamble. It's a gamble for everyone. It's even a gamble for us in terms of selling them the dream of saying, we're going to do this thing for you that's going to enable you to do the thing. We can't guarantee that they're going to do their part moving forward, right? Right. Well, we can try. <laughs> we can assume that they're going to do their part and that they know what they're doing to run their own business. Yeah, yeah. We So we, we teach people... Uh, clients during the the kind of onboarding indoctrination process, the the four stages of the buying cycle, um, 
and we tell them like we we have strategies to help you reach people in awareness which is stage one consideration which is stage two and advocacy which is stage four stage three of the buying cycle is the actual purchase there is nothing i can do to help you with that like i can get people to your business but if you can't sell yeah. you're going to need another person to help you with that because i i can't help you with that but i can i can help you with the other three and so we do that to really set our clients up for success um stephanie asked what the the two steps were again of the the sales process so we have initial discussion um is the first one that's just what we call it and then the playbook presentation we just do a playbook and then from the playbook we either move to a kickoff or realignment meeting um that depends on just where what the client is ready for at the end of the playbook and the other thing during the initial discussion so a realignment is if um they get the yeah. proposal and they're like now nah, this isn't quite what i was wanting is that what it is that or they've got questions and they want to think about yeah. it you know because I end every I end every meeting because I used to just at the end of the playbook they'd be like, well, let me think it over and get back to you, and then we all know what happens. They start they just ghost you. You never hear from them again. So I don't yeah. I don't do that anymore. I just say as soon as I hear that, I'm like, hey, no worries. I understand as a small business owner myself, you know, I, I have to consider these things carefully. The next step in our process is to either schedule a kickoff meeting or to have a, a another to have a uh a meeting just to touch base and answer any questions that you come up with um would you know if this is on like i generally do in two days so i'd be like if i did one today i'd be like so with thursday same time work for you and i just i just get it out there and get it on the calendar and that yeah, has nice. that has saved a, a lot of sales because it lets them know i have a process you know you're you're in a process so you're you're being taken care of you know, yep. this is good. This is the next step in our process. It just helps you seem really organized and, and with it. Um, but I can say in the initial discussion, the other thing that helps with converting prospects to leads, you have to talk to, to the decision maker. Um, anytime I have prepared a proposal for somebody that wasn't the decision maker, I've never closed the sale. So, yeah. I've, yeah. I've because read. what happens is, if there's another decision maker, maybe you're talking to like, you know, the marketing manager, but ultimately the CEO is the one that makes the decision. Well, now what happens is you're expecting that marketing manager or that whoever to be able to pitch your proposal to their boss, to the ultimate decision maker, something yeah. that you do every day, something that you prepared and customized for them. You're expecting someone who heard it once to be able to go and 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 make that pitch to them it's not going to happen yeah. um so talking about maybe or when someone says they want you to think about it something i learned when i was doing um full-time sales selling advertising um and basically maybe is a soft no right it's yeah. they, they don't want to hurt your feelings so they're saying yeah. maybe i want to think about it because that's a lot nicer than just saying like no like nah. i don't want this. <laughs> um and so now you can't always do this, uh, but um, something that I would try to do is if they would say, maybe when you think about it, I would, you know, 
gives them some pushback and some, you know, dig deeper and figure out, okay, well, why are you saying that? Like, is it literally just like, I need to think if I can spend this much money, I need to like, look at my finances. Okay. Well that, that kind of makes sense. But, but if it's looking at it to, or you're thinking about it because you need to see if it's going to be a good fit for you, then me as the owner, the person pitching you the service, I haven't done my job communicating the value or communicating the steps of how I'm going to get you from point that's A good. to point B. And if, if that's on, if that that's the case, then I, you know, that's my bad that we didn't communicate that value well enough. Where's the hang up? Because we, you know, we broke down that you want to do this and make this much money. And I showed you how we're going to get there. Like where, where are your questions? And then you can dig a little deeper and, and try to figure it out because if, if they say they need to think about it, like Eric said, like they're just a ghost after that. And it's like, you know, occasionally you'll get someone that actually does come back around, but a lot of times that's not the case. Yeah, no, that's really good. I, I completely uh, love what you just said there and taking the response, like, Hey, you know, I, I, I hear you're, you're hesitant with it. You want to think about it. Um, you know, I know our goal was this, the solution I, I have, I know is going to help you reach that goal, but I think I've dropped the ball. And so taking the responsibility of it, like, so what, what can I clarify? Um, because I'm, you know, I, I don't think I, I think I missed something. And then it starts letting you see where it is. And if it's money, you know, some people it's, it comes down to, you know, they just don't have that much cash flow available. Well, then you, oh, okay. Well, then you can, you know, maybe offer some terms, you know, letting them pay for over six months or, or you know, something like that. Um, anyway, just let you figure out all it is. So I, I like that. And don't be afraid to pitch big things to clients. Don't say somebody's no for them. I know a lot of people that, well, they're a nonprofit, so they could never afford any more than a $500 website. One of my biggest uh, profitable clients this year is a nonprofit. So yeah. 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 The thing about nonprofits is they, they don't, the owners can't pocket the profit, right? Like there's right. no, yeah. And so in some cases, if they have a surplus of donations and everything, like they have marketing money to spend, you know, like can it sometimes be the opposite problem because they can't pocket it, you know, like, yeah. Uh, or they get they get grants. We've we've done four or five projects in the last few years where we've worked with them and given them all the numbers to get a grant. Now the thing with a grant is I know they don't have um, recurring, you know, to go on recurring revenue. So we'll bid it. We'll build in five years of yeah, hosting right. and maintenance and say, hey, this is going to cover you for for five years and da -da -da, and they go get the grant and it's no big deal for them though, to go get a grant for 25, 30 grand. Um, and then boom, you get paid all at once. You're paid up for the next several years. I like doing that. Yeah. Nice. That's good. That's, tip, yeah. That's really smart. I like that. Yeah. Um, Sarah, what about you? What have been some things that you've learned that have helped turn mm -hmm. prospects into clients um, that maybe someone was hesitant I think there's a couple of things. So one thing that I would suggest is use a proper proposal software. So it doesn't really matter which one you use, but I recommend using a proper one. 
it looks more professional for one. So like I use Zero for my finances. Yes, I can send a quote through Zero, but it doesn't look very professional. But also it doesn't give me information about when they're looking at that proposal. And so I use Nucy only because I got it through um, AppSumo at some point. So I got a good deal on it. I think Better Proposals is probably one of the best ones out there, but there's a ton that you can look at. They cost money. It is one of those ones you've got to spend money to make money in your business. And this is one of the places I think you should spend money in. And the reason is because when you send a proposal, you can see whether they've opened the proposal. So for example, I sent one the other day and they didn't open it. And I was thinking, this is a bit interesting. I thought the meeting went well. They didn't open it, right? Um, But then I emailed them the link directly. So I went and got the link and emailed from my email, which again, I use an email that gives me open records. So I use Newton. It then shows me whether someone's opened my email. Again, it's money, but the amount of times that bit of money has saved my ass where then I know they have opened that email is very helpful. So then I sent it to them and straight away they accepted the proposal. And it was just that somehow it had ended up, you know, not actually getting to them. So I think there's those things that save you. Sometimes they just didn't get the proposal and you didn't know they didn't get it. You just assume they've been looking at it. Then you've got the information. So better proposals will show you what part of the proposal they're looking at. So not just, so Newsy just tells you how many times they've opened it. So you get an email every time they open it. So you can see they keep opening it every day. That's really interesting. They're obviously interested and it gives you a bit of data. In Better Proposals, it'll show you, like, are they just looking at the finance bit for like, and it'll tell you how long they've been looking at it. So if you want that granular kind of data, that stuff is gold. And I think that will help you then make some decisions about like, okay, I'm going to go back to them, but what am I going to say to them? And so then maybe you can go back to them and be like, hey, I just want to check in with you and see if you've got any questions because it's clear like they're thinking, but they're not quite sure. So then you can work out, or if you see they opened it once and then they didn't open it again, then you can think, okay, they looked at it. They might've dismissed it. Now, how am I going to approach this moment? Um, So I think spending money on a proposal software, you'll look more professional. There's heaps of templates. All of them have templates. Um, But then also like using that data to then work out how am I going to approach this person, I think is a good way to go. Do you guys use software? I don't do client projects in a while, but I did. Um, But I don't think Better Proposal was around when I was right. still doing client projects. That was projects. a while ago then. <laughs> well, maybe it wasn't as popular then. <laughs> that, that one, but, um, but I used propose a proposal template. Yeah. Um, and then um, I would I would set I would send it just as a as a um, not not as a PDF but as a um, DocuSign Echo Sign. Yeah. Um, nice. For signature and everything. Um, but I like the the data that it'll mm. actually tell you like how long they're looking at a certain section of it. Like that's pretty slick. Can it also yeah. tell you if they like log into their online banking to like check their phone <laughs> or if they like pull no. out their phone for their calculator or something? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice data. <laughs> what about you, Eric? What do you use? You use better proposals? Uh, nope. So I used to, I used to use actually it was Dubsado. So I used to use software um, yeah. when uh, I was doing the sales and the delivery um just to help with all that but now that i've moved out of delivery and i'm i'm focused 
primarily on sales. Um, I'm not doing it because I'm trying to close on the phone or in that. And it's my, my whole process right. is now just so in person. Um, and then when they're a lot of times at the end of the, the, the second meeting, the playbook meeting, if they're like, yeah, this is good to go. I'm like, great. I get their credit card information right there. I'll send them a contract later to sign. Um, but since I have shifted to focusing on selling the solution, like they don't care all the individual little pieces and parts, stuff like that. So I just get their, I get their credit card as fast as I can for the deposit. Um, and then down the road through Dubsado, I can still send a, a, a contract. But yeah. when I was doing, when I was, you know, a, a one person operation using some, you know, freelancers and, but when I was still involved with de uh, yeah. delivery, I totally couldn't have survived without proposal software. Yeah. Especially because if you're managing a few proposals at a time, um, I think you need to be able to send it off, give them some space and then come back around to them. But if you have had a really good sales meeting with them, honestly, you get a pretty good feeling in the meeting, which way it's going to go. Like at the end of the meeting, I could tell you most of the time, yep, this is going to go forward or no, this is not going to go forward. Like you, you kind of get a gauge for it. And if it's yeah. going to go forward, I find I send the proposal information and they just sign it straight away. And then I send them the invoice and off we go. And so really it's, it's not about the proposal itself so much, but for the people who are maybe a little more unsure, the proposal is everything. And I think what you put in the proposal is everything. So one of the things we talked about asking questions to people, I think it's really important to take lots of notes or to record that Zoom. And so you take lots of notes of what kind of words are they using? Are they saying, I want it to be creative or I want it to look really professional or I want it to, um, I don't know, um, look really modern and fresh and clean and like what words are they using? Write as many of them down as you can because if you can put those exact words in your proposal. So I've actually, so I've used better proposals before. It's very complex. I've gone to Newsy where it's a lot more streamlined. It's really just a one page kind of thing. But what I've found is if I do a really good meeting, then in the proposal, all I need is one paragraph that basically says to them all the things they told me. In our, yeah. It was great to meet with you. In our meeting, you talked about really needing and then using all the words, all the words that they use. You wanted a website that brings your old website into today's day, is feeling fresh and modern, is really easy to navigate, You is works well on all the devices, like just use all the words. I can get that into a paragraph most of the time. And then below that, I just have the solution of like, okay, so we're going to do this website. I'm offering them, do you want maintenance? And whether they've asked for maintenance or not, I always include it. And I just have a paragraph at the top saying, while you may not need this, we often find clients appreciate it. So I have a little spiel that kind of, you know, and then that's in there. I think using the words that they have used, that together you've used, customizing every single proposal, it doesn't have to spend, like it's half an hour, right? So spend the half an hour, make sure you didn't leave someone else's client's name on there. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> update all of the things to make sure that it is customized to them so that when they open it, they feel seen. And when they open it and they feel seen and they feel like, oh, they've heard me, they know what I want, they're 
actually going to achieve the thing that I want them to achieve, if you can give them that level of calm when they open it, I think that's going to take you that that extra 10%. Like maybe they were at 70% after the meeting and then you got them to 80% with the proposal, you know, and then you kind of see them open it a few times and have a look at it and then you you hear them again by emailing them and saying, hey, I hope you've been had a chance to have a look at the proposal. I know you have. So would you like to catch up again? I'd love to answer any questions that have come out of looking at the proposal. It'd be great to chat again. And then you get them to the 90%. Then you have the next chat, you get them to the 100%. You know, like it's all about kind of looking for the opportunities to nudge them that little bit further forward if they're a little uncertain. Sometimes yeah. they'll just be there. They've heard you do good work. It came through a referral. You have a good meeting. You're there. Like you're not actually having to do very much if it's come through yeah. a referral. That is so good. I just made a note. Um, I, you gave me an idea. So one of the slides mm -hmm. in our in our proposal, we have a, a range of screenshots of, of, you know, five or six different websites, you know, we've done. Um, but I've made a note that what I want to do is I'm actually going to go in and, and add like three or four different slides um, and one of them just put some websites that meet like some keyword, you know, modern, clean, you know, da, da, da. make another slide of a couple of our sites that look a different way. And then yeah. whenever we build the, well, whenever we customize the proposal, just delete the slides that, you know, the two it's or three. Different and not just use the words, but also show them Visuals. some websites from our portfolio that actually yeah, align with those words. I've never done that before. But when you said that, I was like. Oh, that's I'm gonna do that. Nice. Yeah. I like Idea. that. Yeah. I love that too. And uh not only use the words that they use, but don't use jargon. Jargon, yeah, like industry <laughs> jargon. Like we say things like responsive, CSS, Divi, you yeah. know, <laughs> all these different <laughs> things that like people that aren't in our world, it's just jargon. So don't use that in the proposal. Use the words that they use. They probably won't use responsive, but they'll probably use looks good on all the devices, right? Or like maybe yeah. they'll say mobile friendly. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, I love that. Uh, not just, so yeah, use the 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 words they use and don't use yeah. the words that they don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or sometimes um, they'll just highlight the things that they don't want. Like they'll be really, we had this one client that was like, I don't want it to look like a grid. So we did two, we did two um, architect websites side by side. And one was all like, we want it to be professional and, you know, clean and clear. And the other one was like, we want it to be really unique and no grids and no, like nothing uniform. They were like completely opposite to each other. But no grids, no shapes, no color. No they images. were like, we want everything like overlapping and like fluid. And the other one was like streamlined and like, <laughs> but hearing that stuff so that you can alleviate their concerns because for them, they said it like three times in the meeting. We don't want any grids. We don't want anything that looks kind of like square. And so being able to say that in the proposal um, of being able to say, making sure the website does not look like all the other architect websites, you know, like using that language to alleviate their concerns, I think makes a difference yeah, as well. Definitely. So one thing I want to cover, uh, we don't have a ton of time left. We started late, but, um, is like pricing when it comes to, um, like 
not giving them sticker shock when you send the proposal. So how do you guys handle pricing? Do you have general pricing on your website? Do you mention a range on the call? Do you do both? That way, when they get that proposal, that's not the first time that they're seeing any sort of pricing. What, what do you guys do? Go ahead, Sarah. You want to go, Eric? No, go ahead. You can start. I started last time. Okay. Well, I mean, mine's fairly simple. I do have it on the website, although you have to dig down to find it. So if you go to the website page on our website, and then go into the frequently asked questions, you'll find it. So we've got a frequently asked question, how much does a website cost? And that's where we'll say, well, how long's a piece of string? Like a website's gonna range depending on what you're looking for, but our basic website package of a five page website for a small business without extra functionality starts at 5,500 and goes up from there. So we have our kind of base price. And so I will quote that fairly regularly with a client. So if I'm talking to someone and they want to just get an idea, then I just, I just pop that one in there. Like, well, for a small business website without extra functionality, five pages, fully custom designed, that's going to start at 5,500. But looking at kind of what you're talking about, look, I think we're probably in the ballpark of eight to 12,000. I'll do the proposal, work out the numbers and I'll come back to you. So I'll generally give like a broad range. I like to give them a range that is higher than what I think it's really going to come at. Like if I think, oh, look, this is going to hit 8,000 then I'll generally say to them something like, look, I think probably what we're looking at is maybe around six to 10,000, but I'll go and do the numbers and I'll come back to you. If you can do that, I think it's always nice because then they don't get it and see the 10,000, they get it and see eight and a half thousand and they're suddenly like, that's all right. Like, that's not too bad. I'm kind of okay with that. So you've kind of allowed for the, you know, the classic, like you give three options and the middle one is the one that yeah, they're going to go for because they yeah. don't really feel like they need that. They don't, you can, you can do it two ways, right? Like you can do it where you give them this range, you land kind of ish in the middle um, and then they feel happy or you can go back to them and you can like give them a price but give them a couple options. So you can say, look, I think this is what you need. We do have this, but that's probably a little bit more than you need, but we do have it and you're totally welcome to take that. Or, and then, you know, if they're a bit budget conscious, I'll often just say to them, look, we can use a template if you want, that's fine. Go and have a look at some of the Divi templates. This is gonna be the price for that, but it won't be custom. It'll look like a lot of other websites. Totally up to you, custom, this is where you're sitting. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Cause I think at the end of the day, like when it comes to pricing and they're like wanting to find out ahead of time, it it's like, they're not necessarily looking for an exact price. It's like, they don't know what to expect. Like, yeah, 100%. Um, for example, like we have a, a pergola in our backyard. It has wood rot. And so like, we need to get a new one. And so, um, something You're was like, recommended to us. Yeah. It's like, I have no idea. Like, is it 500? Is it 5,000? You know, it's, so it's like, yep. like getting that like general range. Cause it, like, and then one thing that I, I don't do, um, and I've never done, and I hate it when I'm like shopping for something and they do it to me and they say, well, what's your budget? It's like, I don't know what my budget is because I don't know, like, like, I don't even know what like ballpark we're yeah. in. So like, like, I don't, I don't even like, I'm not even that far down this process yet. And so ask me what my budget is. It's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what my budget should be because 
like, you know, like, no, I'm not going to spend all the money that I have on this, but I'm also like, I'm willing to spend, you know, substantial money if it's needed, you know? So, um, I, I loathe that question. And so I've never... So I ask that question, but really? I ask that question. Yeah, I do. Um, and not everyone answers it, but the reason I ask it is because if they come back to me with $500, then I can quickly go back to them and say, thanks for getting in touch. It's great to hear from you. I'm not sure that we're the right fit for you. This is where our prices start at. But if they come back to me and they say, my budget is two and a half thousand, then at least I can go back. And maybe like, like you say, they're not really sure. They're not really sure what it costs. Then I can go back to them and say, like, great to hear from you. I'd love to chat more. At least I know they're like, kind of in the ballpark, but often they will just say in that haven't really worked it out just yet. So I'm not like, I don't make them put a number in if that makes sense. Right. It's more to find out if they have a, something in mind, you can. But if they say like, I don't want to spend an hour with them if their budget is $500. Like I just don't, I, I want to weed those people out. I don't have time totally. for you if your budget is less than $2,000 but maybe they just need a one page website and I can probably knock that up for two and a half thousand dollars. So all yeah. good. Like we can move forward at that. But if you say your budget is $500, we're out. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, and I think for this, like, you know, converting a prospect to a, a client to me, and we didn't do any definitions at the beginning of this episode, but to me, a, a prospect is different than a lead. You know, um, a prospect is somebody that's raised their hand, you've warmed them up, and and you're ready definitely to pre-qualify them. So I, I share prices. I, I'll share it in ranges. Um, and we're even experimenting with one of our uh, lead magnets where we're just saying in the lead magnet, like, hey, here's here's how you can do this. If you want help, you contact us. But just so you know, you need to be in a position to invest $2,000 a month in marketing. And we're just, we just put it in there. Because if you're not willing to invest $2,000 a month in marketing, I, I can't help you for this for this product, this, this new service we're, we're providing. Um, so, yeah. So then besides I think that. Giving them the heads up makes a difference, yeah. right? Like whether, whether your base websites start at $500 or whether your base website start at $10,000 kind of is irrelevant, but giving them the heads up so that they have an idea whether or not together you're going to be a good fit, like whether they need $20,000 a month for like whatever your service is or like whether they just need one or $500 is kind of irrelevant. It's really just allowing them the time to process, do I have that much money? <laughs> Yeah. Am yeah. I willing to go forward with this person? I think yeah. is good. And not giving them a firm price because then they can just say no. But if you give them a range, they're enticed to maybe hear more. Yeah. Well, and it's it's like, and people are used to this. We're not like, if you go to buy a car or, or build a house, you know, um, just because they you see an ad, you know, for a car on TV for, you know, $25,000 or whatever it is, once you go to the dealership and there's, well, this feature and this feature and this, like the price, the price changes. Um, and so my, my general response, when somebody asks in the initial discussion meeting, you know, well, Hey, can you give me a heads up on kind of what the, the, you know, we're talking about in pricing? I go, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then it, I say it, but it's kind of like building a house, 
you know, how much does it cost to build a house? How many bedrooms? How many windows? Yeah. Like, you know, do you want a garage? I was like, so it, it, I want to look at your competition first. You know, I want to look at this stuff you've t given me and see yeah. what you need. And based upon what I discover you need, I'll give you a, a firm price, but we're talking probably between, you know, we're, we're talking at the, we're probably starting at, you know, I didn't say, I say, we're definitely starting at the $5,000 mark, you know, yeah. and then you go, okay. And then in the end of the proposal, we present generally two website options, sometimes three. Um, Cause I do like the good, better, best, Yeah. but, and our last three proposals, and right now we're experimenting with presenting phase one, phase two, phase three, and saying phase three is ultimately where you need to be at. But we can build your website in a way that down the road we can get to that one. And this is going to be the, the total investment. But if you don't have 13000 to start out, we can start with you know 4000 and then six months later, we can add on another 4,000 to get to this. And then six months after that, we can go to that. And yeah. that's where I don't have enough data to know if that's going to work well. We're just playing with it, but yeah. um, that's just something we're, we're experimenting with. Yeah. I, I like that a lot because it gives them like, feel like they're in the, the, the driver's seat. They can choose. You're not trying to push something on them, but it's like you're, uh, subconsciously putting that in in their head that like this is where you need to be but don't worry you don't have to do that today you don't have to do this whole investment so you know if they choose the lesser option it's like you're setting yourself up for adding that in later and it's not like later down the road you need to be like hey remember when i built you that website like i actually think i could build you you know a better one now by adding these improvements it's like well no 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 we we talked about this this was the plan all along you know, yeah. let's do that. So I think the only brilliant. thing to keep in mind with that, I think it could work with a lot of people. And I think there'd be some people who go, look, let's just do phase three right now. Like, let's mm -hmm. just go for it. I don't want to deal with it. Like, let's just do the whole thing now. Then you'll have some clients that will be like, yeah, let's do phase one because I want to like test out. Are we good together? I don't want to like, I, ultimately, yeah, let's do it. But let's just do phase one and see if we're kind of a good fit. Then I've got the plan. If I want to bugger off and go somewhere else to you know a different person then we're all good but then i think you would want to just look out for those clients that you think i think there'll be some people who would see that and go well i want to spend the five thousand but it sounds like i'm going to be disappointed like it ultimately i only think i need phase one i don't need those other things but you're saying it's not going to be enough. So I think you just want to look out for those people. And if that's the person, just present them phase one. And like, don't, you know, don't even like present the whole thing because they're going to ultimately feel disappointed. And we want them to feel excited and empowered rather than disappointed by the choice they make. So how we so how we tie those phases in is by is, again it's back to the three stages of the buying cycle. So this phase one of your website this is going to work when you're directing all of your traffic to it with referral. When you don't need Google to send you anybody, you're just starting out and da da da. Like this is it. Now when you're ready to start converting more than four percent of your website visitors, because the average website you know converts four percent of their first time web website visitors, when you're ready to start bringing in those ninety six percent, then we need to add the email magnet, and so that's what this is. And then 
when you're ready to really do this, that's when then we want to, you know, have the photographer come out and do a professional photo shoot and stuff like that. So we walk them up with it because we're tying, I'm a little bit different in the fact that I'm tying every phase to monthly recurring digital marketing services. Yeah, right. Um, Because that's what I'm, I'm trying, I'm using websites to sell digital marketing services. Um, So that's, but if I wasn't, if I was back when I was just doing websites, you're 100% right. I, I would have to be a lot more careful with that. Yeah, I like that. And I think also with that phased approach, Eric, with like, okay, we're going to start with phase one, but what like establishing a time frame and having them verbally commit to that time frame so that it's not like this kind of elusive, like, yeah, maybe someday we'll get to phase three. It's yeah. like, no, 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 we, we're starting with phase one today. And then next quarter in a couple months, yep. we're going to, you know, get started on phase on phase two. And then by the end of the year, we'll be at phase three, you know, whatever it may be that way. It's like they're planning for it and you're, you're not, you're not having to resell every single time. It's like, no, this is, yeah. this is what we talked about. This is what we're doing. Well, <laughs> even if they, they're hesitant, then you can say in like three months time or in six months time or in a year's time, I'm going to come back to you and we're going to chat about phase two. And so it's not that they've committed to it. Like if you're getting that kind of hesitancy, then you can say, you know, we're just going to chat about it and we're going to see where you're at. We're going to see how your website's performing and we're going to chat about is phase two the right next step for you so that then again, you're putting them in the power seat. So there's a couple things because we're getting towards the end of our time. There's a couple things that I think are really important in the sales process. One is you're wanting them to feel like they are in control. I think a lot of times clients can feel like they're being taken on the ride that they have no control over and they're a bit scared. And, you know, maybe you've put them on the thing and they've kind of hesitantly said, okay, like I'll spend the money. And then they feel like they're just being kind of dragged along. I think allowing them to feel like they are in control, they are making the choices, they have the power. I think reassuring them at the sales process that that is going to be the case is really important. So one of the things we do with sales is we talk to them about, we just let's, um, we talk to them about the set, the design process in terms of saying, when we present a design to you, we're going to present two different designs and you're going to get to choose which design we move forward with. And then we're going to have rounds of revision. So reassuring them when we get to design, don't worry, we've got your back. It's going to be okay. You are going to get to choose what your website looks like. I think giving them that idea of they're going to have the power. Welcome back, Eric. Thank you. Um, And then also reassuring them, you know what you're doing and they can trust you and it's going to be okay, I think is a really important part of the process. So that involves you coming with confidence. um, And if you don't have that confidence, you have to pretend you have the, the confidence. Fake it till you make it is a really important part of the sales process. Not being like cocky and um, kind of rude. I think there's kind of two edges to it, but there's something about feeling confident in that what you are providing to them is something that they need. So some of that's about your own internal work of being able to say to yourself, what I have for them is actually what they need. So then when you come to the meeting, you can be coming with confidence and saying, I've got your back. Like, yes, I can provide that. Yes, I can create this website that you're looking for. There might be moments in the meeting where they say to you, I need this specific bit of technical thing put into the website. Those are the moments you've got to fake it knowledgeably. So, you know, don't 
don't put yourself out there too far, but being able to say, no worries, I can make that happen for you. Even if you're thinking in the back of your head, I've never done that. And I don't know how to do that. And I'm really not sure if I'm able to do that. Being able to say to them, and this comes over time with practice, being able to say to them, no worries, that's going to be fine. I'll need to get a price for that on you, uh, like get back to you with a price about that, but I can definitely make that happen. And then being able to know, you can go to the Facebook groups, you can go and find some resources, you can go look at blogs, you can find a plugin to achieve it. The fact that you will be able to find a way forward, not guaranteeing that the price won't change, but you can actually do that. I think there can be moments in meetings where someone can say, I really need this one thing. And you're thinking, crap, I don't know how to do that one thing. Ah! And so I think in that moment, if that comes across to them, they are going to feel uncertain and they are going to question whether you're the right person for the job. So being able to constantly reassure them you know what you're doing. They are putting their money in safe hands. You are not going to ghost them because that's often their concern with a developer. You're not going to ghost them. You are going to be available. You 100% can achieve what they're looking for. That confidence will probably do, I reckon, 70% of the sale because for them, the reassurance is the big thing they're looking for. They're looking to know they're spending the money with a good person. You are not going to disappear and you are going to create something that they are going to be, you're, well, firstly, you're going to listen to them when they give you feedback. That's a really important one. <laughs> so if they don't like it, what's going to happen? Reassuring them along the way. You have their back. It is going to be okay for them to spend their money with you. I think that's probably one of the biggest parts of sales. That's good. Love that. Um, David uh, just said something. Uh, if you want to throw that up, Eric, um, who's heard the line, when I make money, you will. They want you to invest in their business. I fell for that in the early days where they say, like, basically, like, you'll get paid once this yeah. works. And it's yeah, like, yeah. well, no, because no, we don't do that. <laughs> like what Eric mentioned, there's all these phases of the buying cycle. Like, you can't control whether or not, yeah. like, the user actually buys like for someone else's business, even for e-commerce, there's other factors yeah. at play that you as the, the the web designer that's building them the site is out of your control, especially though, like a service business where you're you're going to help them get leads and then they have to close them. It's like, no, yeah. like, like you need to close that's your like own That's like a leads. classic red flag. Like if yeah. someone is talking to me, is, like we've talked red flags on other episodes before, but if they're saying, I'll pay you once my website makes money. No, red flag. If they're saying um, I need to be number one on Google, red flag. Like there's all these things where you can tell what kind of client they're going to be. They're going to be the client that emails you with the title urgent in capital letters and is saying, oh, my gosh. Ah! They're, yeah. they're not the client that you want to have. Like, Or like worth the an, money. Another, another way I've heard that, David, is, you know, uh, and it just happened a couple of weeks ago, a guy, you know, emailed me and he's like, I just had what I think is the, the, the brainstorm idea or the best idea of, of the year. <laughs> Why don't we partner up and you build the website and do this and we'll bring you in as an investment partner for shares <laughs> the business. And then you can mm. just, you'll just make money as the profits. Yeah. No. I'm not no. looking to invest in your business. No. So, <laughs> you're investing in my business. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> I was thinking in the reverse way. Like I was thinking you could almost make it as a sales pitch of like, I would never do this, but like I could imagine someone saying to a client, look, if if you spend money on your website, then I make money. Uh, I don't know. In my mind, it, it, it was going to be like a sales tactic, but I would never use it because it sounds a bit sleazy. <laughs> well, I, I've got a colleague that um, he, he has a thing. He helps authors and part of their thing is they they build the website and set up all the different things that go with with selling a book and, and and all of that stuff you know but he's just the web designer in the sales funnel but he builds in a, a royalties commission on all books sold and i'm just like i i don't want to get in the tracking all of that no. but that's a big part of what he does it's you know like five percent or something and i'm like eh, i don't want that yeah, that's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, too much to track. Um, all right, so we are seven minutes after. So any final, I'm going to say thought singular, final thought that uh, you guys have uh, before we move on. And my two-year-old, my wife had to leave uh, for a appointment. And so, um, so yeah, she dropped him in here. Um, and now he is experimenting with my lighting in the background. Yeah. So. He's been very cute. So my final thought is it's a journey. It's a process. Don't be too hard on yourself if you don't get it straight away. And every time is a learning thing. So continually evolving your meeting style, the kind of wording you use, like how do you approach a meeting? Then after the meeting, what do you do? What does your proposal look like? What do you say in your proposal? How much are you charging in your, like saying in your proposal? What do you do after you send the proposal? Like how do you follow them up? All of it's learning. Like it does, you don't have to nail it the first time and it is okay. Like we've all been in business for a long time now. Um, I think I'm hitting, I don't know, like not eight years, something like that. I have evolved over the eight years. What my proposal and what my sales process looks like now is so different to what it looked like eight years ago. Eight years ago, it was like, I'm going to charge two and a half thousand dollars. And I was saying, but I'll give it to you half price if you go with me, please. <laughs> you know, like I was almost begging for the work at that time. And now I'm pretty comfortable to say to people, Honestly, I don't think I'm the right fit for you, but I know someone who probably is a good fit for you. And why don't you go talk to them? Like, so I don't have a problem with saying to people, either I'm not the right fit for you or look, honestly, that's going to cost you $10,000. Are you up for that? Because I'm up for it if you're up for it. And them saying, yep, let's do it. So I think that takes time. Go easy on yourself and continually evolve, continually reassess. How did that go? Did it go well? Did it not go well? What could I learn? What could I change? Nice. Um, even though the topic of this podcast is converting uh, lead or prospects to clients, um, it's always helpful to remember that your current clients are still prospects for future sales, upsells, new services, you know, nice. redesigned add-ons. So there's a there is diamonds in the field. There's gold in that backyard. The money's in the list. So I think too many of us get locked in on, I need, that's the number one question I get asked at Divi Agency Coach. Um, how do I get more leads? And a lot of times when I work with somebody, you know, I come in and they've got 30, 40 clients that they haven't even become close to maxing out the potential of wallet share with, with those clients. And it's the easiest sales they make. So, um, 
just remember that even though this is about converting prospects to, to clients, remember to always look at your clients as pro prospects um, as well for future work. Nice. Nice. I love that. Just something I already said I wanted to re uh, reiterate is helping your prospects view the website as an investment and not an expense and yeah. being able to clearly show them how, right? Not just like saying that. You don't just say like, hey, this is an investment on expense. Like, no, 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 you need to show them how specifically that's going to happen. Um, then when it comes to price, they're not going to uh, give you so much pushback because they're looking at it in a very specific way of how that's actually gonna be um, an investment that they're gonna get a return on, so. Good stuff. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in live to Divi Chat or watching the replay. Um, if you haven't already, give us a thumbs up on YouTube. That helps other people find this um, and then share it with your friends. Or if you want to be extra awesome, leave us a review um, on uh, whatever podcast app that you like to listen to. Um, so that is it for today. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.